Good morning, it's Saturday, and that means it's time for Right on SC. This is Casey Whitener, and with me in the studio is Rex Hurst. Good morning, Rex. Good morning. I've got to start with this. It is a truth universally acknowledged that a single man in possession of a good fortune must be in want of a wife. <laughs> that is the opening line from Jane Austen's Pride and Prejudice, and today's topic for Right on SC is weddings. Absolutely. Weddings in fiction, and it's because our good friend Rex Hurst <laughs> is getting married. Congratulations. Absolutely. Thank you. Thank is, you. It's a super exciting time. It's an exciting time for both the bride and the groom, but can also be pretty anxiety-ridden. Oh, my God. <laughs> so um, what we're going to try to do for our writing show is focus on the writing side of this. So we have a couple of things we're going to share with you. Um, we're going to share specifically why would you bring a ceremony like a wedding into a story? Right. Um, how does that ceremony contribute to the story? What are the good ways to avoid cliches? We're also going to talk a little bit. Of, this is kind of in a compare and contrast with an episode we did back in the fall about funerals. Right. So rituals in general and how do they show character and how do they force the plot forward? Uh, and then we're also going to talk about some of the very worst marriages in literary history, <laughs> which was a fun romp through that uh, blog. We got a ton of show notes up on the blog. It's right on sc.blog. So you can go out there and uh, find the links to all these articles we're going to be sharing with you. We also have a live tweet happening right now. Go out on the Twitter, out on the Twitter. <clears throat> you sound like an 80-year-old woman. Go out on the Twitter. Go out on the Twitter. <laughs> and uh, use the hashtag right on SC, W-R-I-T-E, right on SC, uh, and you can participate with us on Twitter this morning. So, okay, so we're recording this a few days ahead of time because right. you are going to be at your wedding this weekend. Yeah. And we're... Um, we well, while this is going that. on, I'll yeah, be well, at my wedding. At, at exactly 9 o'clock on Saturday morning. Right. Um, but we want to go through a little bit of our our theme of the day, which is weddings and fiction. So let's start with how do you write a good wedding scene? So there's a step-by-step, -step, a link to an article that's step-by-step -step in um, the show notes right on sc.blog. And um, it talks about, it's basically a generic overview of what is a wedding, right? Right. And I want to, before we kind of get into like the one piece at a time, um, I want to talk about rituals in general. So what is the value, do you think, of a ritual in a story? It depends on the point of the ritual. Could you just answer the question? What's okay. the value of a ritual? <laughs> okay, the value of a ritual, usually it's to get all the characters together in one place. Right. That haven't, but they might not normally associate with yes. each other. So that's why it's a perfect plot point. It's the perfect perfect device to get all of your characters into one place. Right. And then you go from character to character and you fill it out and flesh it out. That's why the Godfather opens with it. It's especially powerful. Oh, and I was thinking of the, the Red Wedding, right? In oh, our yeah, Game of Thrones too. series, right? So it's especially powerful but, to have everybody in the same room and be able to show competing desires mm -hmm. and the vulnerabilities that happen when they all end up in the same room, right? Right. Um, and as you mentioned, The Godfather begins with a wedding. All, they all, all the Godfather films begin with a big celebration, don't they? With yes, a they big, do. A big party. They all come together, and that's where all the plots are are, are exposed and the various lines of conflict go down. Um, the, the wedding also works as a, in an inverse sense, like the red wedding, which makes it, because it happened during a wedding, makes it even more devastating. It's supposed to be a great time of happiness and wonder. And, you know, it becomes a bride of death, as we see in our notes. That's right. So for those of you of who discussion. are not readers or watchers of Game of Thrones, the Red Wedding is notorious for it being a slaughter. Yeah. So it, it is meant to be a happy occasion. But the person who's hosting the happy occasion has been wronged by the pair that gets married or believes he's been wronged by them and therefore slaughters everybody. 
All their family. Yeah. Yeah, the We're entire talking family. About several hundred people. It's a it's a terrible takedown. All right. So a wedding scene step by step. So the first question on our generic wedding scene is where is the wedding being held? Right. And I think there's some details around this that you've got to work out. If you're going to build a wedding into your story, the details include the venue, right? right. But also the the location from a geographical perspective. Like, are you in the north? Are you in the south? Are you? Is it? it what's well, the weather like? I think I think the big thing nowadays is themed weddings. So if you want to make your wedding really stand out in your literature, have it themed in some way. Usually some ridiculousness, like having a nautical theme. But do you think a so, themed or, wedding is a trend? Because if so, then should we really advise that people build trends into their literature, into their uh, book? Why not? I mean, I'm just I mean, wondering. I mean, well, to make it seem different. Okay. I mean, I can see that. Like themed weddings could be a millennial thing, you, and then well, they, maybe, we could all have, grow out of it. You don't have to. Um, no, no, there's been, there's been themed weddings. Jen actually has been doing that too. I went to a Star Trek wedding once. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> did mean, they say their vows in Klingon? Yes. I love everything about uh, yes, that. <laughs> <laughs> I love everything about that. I feel oh like you God. can't be held responsible for things you said in Klingon. <laughs> oh my God! It was awkward because I didn't realize. <laughs> they're like, all standing up there giving the Vulcan salute, and I'm just like, you know, in a suit. I think it's so great. I think it's great. Okay, so um, so you mentioned a theme wedding. Um, okay, well, okay, a theme wedding. Now, you might not have, want to narrow it down by having a cultural thing, like like call it a, you know, like, like a Star Trek. Right. Have to say a science fiction theme, something right. like that, so you don't limit yourself to a specific time. Well, I think so. Weddings and rituals in general are recognizable, right? Mm -hmm. So people will recognize the ritual of a wedding. And I think that um, if your characters are of a different faith, or if your characters are of a different nationality, then those kinds of, they're not really themes necessarily for the wedding, but those details around their faith, a, a Jewish wedding or a uh, an Indian wedding, right? These kinds of things where those details, you've really got to get them right. And I think when you're planning a wedding in your story, for whatever reason, you have to ask yourself, what do you want the wedding to do? And then that should answer a lot of questions, right. right? Who has to be there? Where does it have to take place? Does it have to be at night or should it be during the daytime? What are they going to wear, and right? if it's just the backdrop, then you don't have to worry too much about it. Mention a few details, but the point is to have these characters meet and talk. All right, so from a generic, a generic wedding can work if it's just the backdrop of If it's the not story. meant to be anything important or you just, or it's going to be brief. If the section itself is going to be brief, you don't want to go into too much detail. If there's more to it, well, then you want to give it some flavor, some fluff. Right. And this particular website, I remember, I noticed that here, uh, really can help you out with that. I mean, All right, it so goes through with that, yeah. The, the part one of this list is uh, where is the wedding going to be held and what are all the details, right? Right. So uh, th this writer on this blog that we found, like, went into some significant research as far as this is concerned, which I thought was a little silly. Um, but not everybody had my wedding that was like the most ridiculous low maintenance wedding ever. Oh, really? Uh, yeah. That's I mean, definitely not mine. Super low so, maintenance. Well, all mine's been taken out of my hands, so I really don't know what's coming up. <laughs> you have to come back next week and tell us, like, was it low maintenance or did it seem outrageous? Oh, God. Well, we were supposed to elope. And then... So everything beyond elopement is is outrageous. Yeah, well, they came in and they said, well, we'll pay for everything. So what am I going to do is say no. Okay, and so they, they... I love the word use of the word they. You have stakeholders in a wedding. That's there are true. people for whom this means a lot. And it and it's important to them that this ritual occur. That, Absolutely. That matters in a story. Who to, who That's cares good, the most about this wedding? Who's putting the bill? Yeah. Right. Well, who knows who's putting the bill? Hey, well, that's, that's, that's the stakeholder <laughs> right there, you know. 
it's the bride's family traditionally. So they so if things get wrong, they get more angry. Okay, I could see that because if you're thinking about raising the stakes and as things start to go wrong, right. who gets really upset as things are starting to go wrong? This is right on SC. Casey and Rex here with you on Saturday morning. We're talking about weddings and fiction and specifically using them as a device to move your story forward, to get all of your characters into one place so that something dramatic can happen, so that you can reveal hidden plot lines by having everybody kind of co-mingle, right? Yeah. We're saying you need to have some details for the wedding to make it realistic, but people are going to recognize the ritual of the wedding just based on some simple things. We do have a, a link in the show notes right on SC blog that's going to give you um, all of those ritual things that you need to build in. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, more about weddings in fiction and more about Rex getting married this weekend. <laughs> How great is that? Um, hang in there. We'll be right back. Good morning and happy Saturday to you. It is, of course, uh, St. Patrick's Day week, and we are um, looking forward to some St. Pat's down at Five Points at Columbia today. But we're also looking forward to Rexhurst getting married today. This is Casey and Rex <laughs> with you on Write on SC every Saturday morning by writers for writers talking about the craft of writing. And in honor of your upcoming nuptials, we have chosen weddings in fiction as our topic for the day. And as I mentioned before in uh, our previous segment, back in the fall, we did an episode on funerals in fiction, and we talked a lot about it being about the ritual of the thing, helping your reader to orient themselves by giving them something they're familiar with, right? And so I put these in our show notes. You can go out to write on sc.blog and get this in the show notes. But I think that when you put a ritual in there, you've got to do um, two things. Number one, you have to recognize the ritual itself. So you have to recognize that it is an important thing, that things are going to be different on the other side of this. Right. You can't have the wedding and like nothing major happens, no plot points change, nothing really shifts. <laughs> and so the, I want to clarify, because before you said something about it being a backdrop, but I think you and I would agree that like as much as the wedding might be a setting, right? right? It still creates a higher level of emotion. It puts things at stake and it creates oh, yeah. stakeholders that there has got to be a plot shift here. Yeah, well, absolutely. And you understand, uh, the, the bride and groom are usually just props for everyone else staring at them as well. I mean, they go into the flowers, they create, you know, all these little things with the tables and, you know, gift baskets and all that. And how you're dressed and you're put up there in front of everyone is... You know, just another showpiece. It's just another centerpiece. Well, and so there's a tremendous amount of anxiety that's associated with all exactly. these people staring at you, right? Exactly. And the dress has to be perfect so everyone could stare and say, the dress. I mean, you know, you actually have very little say. If it's a wedding where all the family is. Right. I mean, I, I, I've had almost no say about who shows up to this thing. <laughs> Well, sometimes, uh, you know, to be relieved of said obligations can be at least less stressful for you. Right. right. But at the same time, it's supposed to be my wedding, but it's for everyone else. Right. That Okay. So, again, when we think about it from a story perspective and a right. storyteller perspective, who has the most to gain by this and who has the most to lose by this? Because mm. if you're going to use a ritual like a wedding in a story the whole point is to expose that vulnerability. Right. Who's got the most to lose and who has the most to gain, right? All right, so number two, I think, that you have to have in a ritual is that you have to give enough detail that the reader recognizes it for what it is. So even if it's a fantasy novel or mm -hmm. it's you know some kind of like a vampire novel, whatever, right? Like even if it's a space epic novel, there still has to be enough 
holdover traditional pieces that people recognize them. It doesn't have to be something blue, you know, a penny or two pence in your shoe or whatever, but there has to be some some kind of connection to what they would recognize as a ritual. Right. So that the reader, ha- because the reader has expectations too, and you've got to meet those expectations. And also, you, uh, you again, having um, often in a lot of uh, literature, the purpose of the wedding especially in fantasy literature, the purpose of the wedding isn't because the people are in love. There's usually another ulterior motive behind it, a political motive. Right. Especially in Game of Thrones, like we mentioned before. <laughs> or um, maybe the people just um, are having found a, are, are stalling in their lives. They found there's something lacking, so they're getting married simply as something to do. And everyone's thinking on that. So the motivations behind the people who are making the vows, right? Yes, exactly. But then also the people who are behind those people. Why are they making the vows? Right. Why? What's going on? Yeah. What's happening there? I think the political and, alliance is a big thing. And I also think, and, and we can kind of kick this back and forth, we consider marriage to be a, a final, right? Like this is it. Like you're right. going to marry one. And we know that's not true. We know that like 50% of them end in divorce in the United States. So, <laughs> so everybody knows there's a cynicism, right? But I mean, when it's happening... The bride and groom don't think that. They think that this is a lifetime contract. And especially if you've built a world in your story where everybody upholds that lifetime contract, right? Like the grandparents have been married for 70 years and the parents have been married yeah. for 40 years. And so this is it for me. I'm never going to marry anybody else. Like what is the, what's at stake here if things don't go well, right? And I think that the the making of that permanent commitment is probably what creates a level of anxiety for our bride and groom as well. Absolutely. I'm saying again, that to you often, as you're going to get married. I know. Often it's a big again, deal, though, Rex. But <laughs> even then with that political alliance, the bride and groom are still just props for everyone else. Right. And in the political alliance, the idea is there, and there've been some, even contemporary romance finds these, um, you know, arranged marriages, right. And then, and the story, the classic story of like actually falling in love, despite the arranged marriage, think like taming of the shrew and these kinds of really all time classic stories about weddings and marriages. Right. Um, When you can, create stakes based on the fact that the marriage is solving somebody's problem, mm-hmm. but not everybody's problem, right? But then the more interesting thing is later on in the story when the marriage doesn't solve it, when the marriage compounds the problems already set, right? Yes. Okay, so a few um, cynical I, takes I, on marriage. Well, there is a few cynical takes. I've seen it, you know. Uh, I, uh, I read a story once where a guy, you know, he's he gets married to suppress the idea that he's transsexual. Oh, man. Yeah. That is and not that, a good reason. No, it is not. And he has <laughs> kids based on the proof he's a man. Yeah. And then eventually he, you know, can't face it anymore, but he's got a wife and kids. Right. So that just adds to the pressure of not changing for the sake of the kids, but then at the same time, you know, the person's wallowing in misery. Well, and I was thinking about this, too, on the way over, that um, there's a, a tremendous amount of literature where the marriage is specifically for women. Uh, the that's their goal, right? The goal is to get married. So think of like the, rich man. the portrait of a lady, right? It's right. all about picking the right husband. Almost everything Henry well, James Pride wrote. And Pride, Pride, Pride and Prejudice that we started yeah. out the show with. Pride and Prejudice is all about finding the right husband. Um, and then think of like the House of Mirth, right? right. Where when Lily Barth well, refuses more, that. That's more like Victorian area literature, isn't it? Well, yeah, but so 
Well, the House of Mirth is realism. Is okay. the same. It's the same era as Sister Carrie and um, and Portrait of a Lady. Yeah, it's right. about the same era. Okay. And so you think of these these women who are their their career really is to be a wife, and so they have to choose the right employer, if, you know, for lack of a better word, right? Um, so I think when we look at these cynical takes on marriage, um, the, yeah, and this the is Victorian, in our- I always find the Victorian era even more cynical. Yeah, yeah. I mean, more, I mean, up there with the Romans, as bad as the Romans. So this is the, the note that we put in the show notes, it says marriage is an institution to control fertility and channel its productivity into the realm of social good. Yes. This politicizes a woman's sexuality, forever linking it to the purpose of procreation. So we think about this concept in um, er, in that fiction, that that Jane Austen era of fiction, stretching all the way through realism um, into you know the late forties, really. And I think about um, what's that book that uh, Michael Cunningham wrote, The Hours, yes. right? Okay, so The Hours takes Virginia Woolf. Mm-hmm. And it takes a woman reading uh, Mrs. Dalloway, and then it tells Mrs. Dal- a, a modern day Mrs. Dalloway, and you have these three stories of this of these women in these different eras and how they are trying to assert their own agency, but can't really get away from marriage as being their career. Um, it, anyway, really fascinating Maybe. stuff. Was Virginia Woolf married? Yeah. Oh, she yeah. She was. And, uh, and well, you know, when no, she, that was a disastrous. Her marriage, husband was her it? publisher. Okay. Well, gee. Yeah, her hu- her <laughs> husband was her publisher. That's right. Yeah. What a. I mean, don't ladies, don't marry your agent and don't <laughs> marry your. Just kidding. Just kidding. Okay. Uh, so then the other point that I had in here was that outside of marriage, um, based on these literature pieces, right? Outside of marriage, a woman can be marginalized as having not contributed to the social good. Her contributions outside of procreation and familial stability are degraded, thus making them a lightning rod or making marriage a lightning rod for gender power struggles. That's so when we right. think about in your story as your, you know, husband and these these people, the bride and groom are getting married, it in some ways there's a gender power struggle happening here. Is the father of the bride really giving the bride away, right? In a transference of property, right? <laughs> because that's this old this classic I know, I know. Moment I in every that, wedding that, ceremony. That resides in the class. I don't see that as being a theme in modern literature, though, unless you're doing a historical fiction. Maybe if you're doing it in, in a third world country, I could see that happening. In terms of um, the father giving the bride as far oh, right. as a and transference. And the gender power of- struggle, really. Because marriage is, is, is uh, an optional extra in modern American Western society. You don't have to do it if you don't want to. Right. It's a choice. So it's an absolute choice rather than, um, let's say, an unstated necessity. So when we think of marriage in a modern sense, right, from a fiction perspective, right. then it is traditionally based on love, right? Right. Um, or some type of advantage that one or the other or both parties are going to get out of it, right? Right. Um, tax purposes. Tax purposes. Healthcare. Uh, you know. <laughs> You know, uh, trophy wife, trophy Co- husband. Cohabitation. Exactly. <laughs> right. we're, Second we're car. We're talking about marriage on Right on SC this morning, and I think we might be digressing just a little bit. Um, we are live on Twitter, too, so go over there to hashtag Right on SC and join in the conversation. You can get the show notes on rightonsc.blog. Um, we got a couple minutes here before we go to break, but we've been going through some of these show notes as far as the cynical takes on marriage. And the last one I have was the inverted wedding. And you shared this one with me, the phenomenon in literature wherein the corruption of a bride's marriage leads to her own demise. Yes. 
So do we have examples? Uh, Cersei. Well, not Cersei. Maybe Cersei in the future. No, no, no. She doesn't because she, 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 well, she kills her husband. Right. But it doesn't lead to her demise. It almost does. But then she turns it around. Uh, the, the classic one is Clymistra from um, Agamemnon. Right. Because she kills her husband and then tries to take power and then is thrown down herself. Right. Or we think about um, Lady Macbeth. Right, yes. who uh, in pushing her husband through, pushing her own ambitions through her husband, ends up ultimately um, in her own demise as well. So the inverted wedding. So right. a little a little irony for you that rather than it being a beginning and a happy occasion, it's in fact the beginning of the end right. for our poor bride. I right? believe uh, Kira Kusama's Ron has a similar situation. The entire family is destroyed because of a bad wedding because the man has a lust for a wife who hates his family. There are plenty of modern stories that are using weddings in new and interesting ways. Um, and of course, now that we have gender equality as far as weddings are concerned, there's a lot of opportunity to write about uh, same-sex, same-gender weddings as well. Wow. And so I think it'll be interesting if our readers want to participate on Twitter, hashtag WriteOnSC, or go out to Facebook.com slash WriteOnSC and share some of those of your favorite stories. We're talking about weddings in fiction here on Write on SC this morning. We're going to take a break. It's the bottom of the hour. You're going to hear the news. And uh, we'll be right back. More with Write on SC, Casey and Rex. Hang in there. <laughs> Good morning. We're back Saturday morning, right on SC. St. Patrick's Day down at five points today. If you're out and about in five points, look for me. I'll be there with my family. I'm looking forward to that. Um, Charlie has not been to a St. Pat's Day in five points since college, so this should be a lot of fun. Uh, Holly and I went last year, but he hasn't been able to go because he works, you know, on Saturdays. But um, so this should be fun. Casey and Rex here with you on Start Some. Or, not start something, Columbia. Yeah. On Write on SC, Saturday morning, uh, by writers, for writers. You can get the show notes on writeonsc.blog. You can participate on Twitter, hashtag writeonsc. We're glad to take your comments and your questions there. We've been talking about weddings in fiction, specifically the concept of using a ritual to move the plot forward, also to help your reader uh, recognize what's happening in the story, to reveal competing plot lines, to, um, to show villains for who they were, who they are, and to add tension. Yeah. Right. Well, a lot of the tension comes from having to invite people that don't necessarily get along and making sure they don't sit next to each other. Or if they do, maybe one of them gets a little drunk, causes a fight. Yes. Something like that. Yeah. Yes. Uh, so um, people are unpredictable, right? right? And and I think that's what makes these rituals so engaging. And because, well, the thing is, the, the idea is you want to make it perfect. Right. right. Everyone is engaged in making it perfect for some reason. Because I don't understand it, why it has I to know be so why. perfect. I, I am going to tell you why. Okay, it's, tell me why. In a, in a realistic sense, the reason people want it to be perfect is because it's a memory. And the memory you will carry with you Forever. That's why I keep telling, like my sister was going to elope. Like you guys said, you guys mm -hmm. were going to elope. And I said to her twice in your life, you'll have everybody you know and love in the same room. And the second time you're dead. So you yeah. don't want to miss this opportunity to pull those people together because the memories that you're going to create there. And that's why like the photographer and the wedding planner and all these people, that's why they work so hard to create a, a, a perfectly curated memory for you because you're going to take that with you. I and I, 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 I wouldn't undersell that. I mean, I'm, I, and I'm saying this as somebody who's been married for 20 years. Right. I still remember specific <laughs> things about our wedding that I just loved about it, right? Like my mom bought canned beer. Okay, we put her in charge of bringing the beer and she bought cases and cases of cans wow. of Budweiser. And this is because she doesn't oh, wow. drink beer. And so it didn't occur to her that 
cans are not classy, right? right. <laughs> like this is not a thing. Um, I walked around with a champagne flute that somebody kept filling up with Budweiser because <laughs> my uh, my mother-in-law's best friend, Amelia, had the, she recognized that I was not going to want a beer can in all of my pictures. <laughs> and so she followed Charlie and I around topping off our champagne flutes with, with Budweiser so that all of the pictures that were taken of us we're, we look like we're drinking champagne. Oh, wow. It was beer. These are the kinds of things, though, that I think from a, a memory perspective, that's See, that, what that's people are trying to capture. Right there. I mean, I'm surprised you haven't used that in one of your stories. Oh, it'll show up eventually, All right, I'm good, sure. because that's a great plot point. So there are these little things that happen in real life at weddings. You can fictionalize them to change the dynamics of the room. That's why, but one little thing goes wrong becomes amplified. Right, 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 right. Well, and you talked about like people not getting along, right? Right. So there's, there are encounters outside of the main reception hall, right? Like two women who hate one another, one slept with the other one's husband and they see each other in the, in the ladies room, right? Like there's places away. Also there's little hidden nooks, right? Where people sneak off to do sneaky things, Mm -hmm. right? Secrets can get revealed when the wrong people see other people doing things they shouldn't be doing, right? Like there's so much opportunity when you bring all of your characters into one place. And even more so if you have intentionally excluded a character, and how does the room react to the fact that the father is not there, right? <laughs> the father of the bride was not right. invited. Or does not walk the bride down. She substitutes someone else. Right. Why is that? Or if uh, they have rehearsed what he's supposed to say when he hands her over and he goes rogue and says something else, right? Like even something like a small nuance like that right. can and how does the bride respond and how does the groom respond and who knew that the father wasn't supposed to say that right who felt awkward right like there's a, a great chance to sort of turn that up there's a, i was just thinking about um there's an episode of flash where uh barry and iris are getting married and um these or these people from another dimension crash in and there ends up being this like huge firefight and a battle and whatever, like a superhero battle in the middle of the wedding. Right. And of course there's a superhero battle because when superheroes get married, there's they always invite a battle. Superhero there's friends, always a right? tremendous battle, yes. right. So of course, if you have all the superheroes in the same place, there's going to be a battle. Somebody's going to show up and try to like, for whatever reason, I can't even remember why they were trying to interrupt the wedding, but it was so great. Like, you know, these people aren't going to be able to get married like regular people get married. They're superheroes. Right. All right, cool. So I'm um, thinking about the worst marriages in literature. That's our next oh, segment good here. Oh, one, good one. Okay, so um, this is in the show notes. You can go over to writeonsc.blog and you can find the list here, but we're going to go through a few of them, specifically the ones that... Um, that, that we've read. That we've read and recognized. <laughs> I didn't read Revolutionary Road, but I did see the film. Um, and it, so it identifies the very first worst marriage in literature as Frank and April Wheeler of Revolutionary Road. Um, and this is a 1962 novel by, by Yates. So I think what's interesting about this um, story is it's this American suburban family trying to fulfill the American Can, suburban dream the of the plastic 60s. dream, though. That's the thing. The problem is the dream is plastic. It's static. It's a picture taken up on the wall, and you can't live up to it and be human. Maybe if you're a Barbie doll. I 
would like to see a retelling of that. If we can go to like manuscript well, wish you list. Go to ma- you actually, well, you know I'd what? like to see somebody tell that in the era of Facebook and Instagram uh. where everything is um, staged, right? Like have you seen the commercial where she's doing the, um, she's the, his, he's the Instagram boyfriend and she's like sunset heart hands. And she's like demanding that he take the picture of her. Uh. Um, everything is staged in social media. It, we're in an era of staged happiness where people's lives are on display as being perfect, but they're not, right? Well, well, it goes two ways. Either someone tries to make everything look perfect or else they they Jerry Springer it. <laughs> they talk about the most, you know, most minute details of their lives that are, you know, and, and the most uh, embarrassing parts of their lives and all the drama that they that they have going on. In the case of... Um, and that's mostly younger people, I know. Our, our, our social media as it's corrupting marriage right like i i would be interested in and i'm sure there are short stories already written about people that. reconnecting with with ex-boyfriends on facebook or ex-girlfriends on facebook like or people becoming obs- about complaining about their spouse on facebook right and i mean who wants that i mean I, i'm maybe i'm too old-fashioned but you know i was raised to you know you keep your dirty laundry hidden <laughs> You don't go screaming about to literally the entire world. So we're talking about, to those of you who've just turned in, we're talking, <laughs> this is right on SC. You did not stumble on the wrong show. This is right on SC, and we're talking about weddings as rituals in fiction. And then we've kind of transitioned here into these like bad marriages, which can create um, dynamic relationships in literature. That would be a great scene for a wedding. Okay, okay. You know, they have the perfect wedding. The bride thinks it's perfect. She looks up on Twitter or our friends are saying on Facebook, they're all saying terrible things about uh, about about the ceremony right. as it's going on. Oh, well, you know, there and she are. she sees them on later on. Well, there are people that use hashtags for their weddings. And the hashtags are meant to help them for people to be social mediaing while they're getting married. Oh and taking pictures and Instagram and all so they can pull all that together as part of like a digital wedding album. So, yeah. Who curates that, right? right. Like who, who sits down and pulls all those hashtags, all those tweets and Instagram posts and Facebook posts together and goes, um, somebody didn't have a very good time here, right? Like, <laughs> hey, worst wedding ever. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, look how other- fat she got. Other other bad marriages. Can't believe she wore white. Other <laughs> other bad marriages in literature. Tom and Daisy Buchanan and The Great Gatsby. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I really don't think anybody could argue with that. It's clearly a marriage of convenience. Uh, it's obviously a rich. social organization because they're at the same class, right? They're right. in the same class. She has the children, so she's done her job as far as her career is concerned. And then she starts really wishing that she had a better relationship and that's where this relationship with Gatsby, you know, there's an, an entrance, an opportunity for Gatsby because uh, Daisy's unhappy in her marriage with Tom. Um, all right, then... And Tom gonna... himself is no treat either. He cheats on her pretty oh, he's, openly. He's terrible. Oh, yeah, that's because that, you know, there, there, there was a, a marriage of convenience. It's like an old Roman marriage. Yeah. And you're expected to have the occasional affair as long as it's quiet. Right. Uh, you know, I think about that too when we were talking before about weddings and what are you creating if you're creating a long-term relationship and the level of commitment there and then do both of your characters identify that and recognize that and respect it and support it and in what ways and to what varying degrees, right? Like that's an opportunity for you to explore too as a writer is, um, you know, somebody takes it more seriously than somebody else. Right. Somebody brings baggage into the wedding that somebody else doesn't have, right? Um, who sees this as a permanent commitment and why does he or she see it as a permanent commitment as opposed to the person who's like, yeah, we could do this for a while. It's not 
permanent. You know what right. I mean? Like, who doesn't see it that way? And then how, you know, how does that work but out? But with Tom and Daisy, it was more of a, uh, a, an arranged marriage in order to maintain breeding. Right. Uh, to maintain the, the rich, the, the wealth in the family, right? Yeah, the right? line, the, along acceptable lines. Yeah. That's, and that's very old-fashioned. We skipped one, though. Uh, we skipped a few because okay. I've just been scrolling through and we're Humbert, gonna... Humbert and Charlotte Hayes and Lolita. Yeah. Yeah. We, we talk about Lolita on this show a lot. Okay. Well, but still, it fits here. That's one of the worst marriages around. I, I don't think that anybody would argue with that either. We're going to oh go to commercial. God. And when we come back, we're going to talk more about marriage in fiction, weddings in fiction. This is right on SC. Don't go away. Good morning. We're back. It's right on SC. Casey and Rex here with you on a Saturday morning. Uh, we're going to be out at uh, St. Pat's at Five Points today. So if you see me walking around, be sure to say hi. You can uh, you can find me on Twitter, hashtag right on SC. You'll see my picture out there. I'll be with my husband. I'll be glad to meet with y'all and chat with y'all today. Rex will not be there today, though, no. because he's getting married today. No, getting married. It's exciting. Yeah, it is. It is. I think it's about time. I, I have no doubts. Uh, you know, a lot of other guys talk about having jitters and all that. I don't have any. Uh, the right move. It's all right. time. It's time. I, I didn't even have a bachelor party. It's the most romantic thing I've ever heard. <laughs> it's time. It's time, right. <laughs> I am ready to settle down. <laughs> up till now, my entire life has been a bachelor party. Step right up, Kat. Yeah, exactly. Step right up. Well, anyway, we are excited for you, and congratulations. And I know our um, our writers group, our South Carolina Writers Association workshop that meets on Monday nights um, over at uh, the, in the Beltline area. If you've got some inter interest in that, the Columbia Two chapter is what that is. South Carolina Writers Association. Um, we are want to throw a party for you all and Absolutely. congratulate you and be able to celebrate with y'all. Um, so hopefully you're having a wonderful day today. But anyway, uh, of course we're recording this a few days early, so you know, <laughs> I know it sounded weird, um, but it's fine. Um, we're talking about weddings in fiction. This is a uh, the second half of I think what's going to end up being a pretty good lesson that we'll be able to put up on writeonsc.blog. Uh, you can access it, you can download it. There'll be worksheets, there'll be slide decks that kind of talk about how do you incorporate a ritual into your fiction piece, and what are the what are the opportunities really there and then now what i want to talk about um or what i want to get to is what are the cliches and how do you avoid them but before we get to that we're going to finish our list of the worst marriages in literature mm -hmm. and we were scrolling through this you can find the link in the show notes right on sc.blog uh, we were talking about kathy and adam trask in east of eden mm -hmm. so this is the following the trask brothers one of them makes this grievous mistake of marrying kathy ames and they both make the mistake of sleeping with her, right? right? Um, and then they call her, it's, they, it puts it in quotes, she's a malformed soul who burnt down her parents' house and worked in a whorehouse before landing on the Trask's doorstep. Um, she cheated on her husband with his brother. This is it's a small potatoes for this gal who hates being a wife and mother so much that she shoots her husband and flees the scene. Yes. Spoiler alert, East of Eden, Kathy Ames, not, not a great gal. Oh, my God, yeah. <laughs> it's such a good book, though. It still rings out as well done. I mean, she's a train wreck that you see coming a long way, and it's so much fun just watching it crash. Oh, it's so great. You got to love that both of these these men fall for her, right? Yeah. Um, that's a classic. Cla love triangles are classic. There's a great way to uh, to yep. think about the wedding is either the end of the love triangle or it's the beginning of a love triangle. I mean, think about when you build their wedding into your story, what's happening there? Somebody is not having their dreams made right? right and somebody is so 
Well, also, um, you know, I mean, you got to think about why why would this character get married in the first place? I mean, what is she expecting to get out of it? Right. Well, and there's and we talked about this with the uh, earlier literature. Goals. Are there is there security there? Right. Do and and there is an era where women don't have a choice that if they're not married, they will be desolate, they will be homeless, they will be in brothels. Right. Um, but that's not necessarily the case now. Yes. I would argue that's not necessarily the case now in most modern societies, but that there that's a lingering mentality. There's a lingering patriarchy there that suggests that what? women there there is what? there are, are you women in the United States now. Yeah, there are women that get married because all their friends got married. There are women that but get married in their but, late twenties because to the the first man that asked because it's time because it's time. Okay. Oh, you're pointing at I'm me. I am pointing at you. Know, you. Oh, you're saying my marriage is going to be a sham? No. Okay. I'm saying that <laughs> I'm saying that the logic that you gave for being ready is sometimes a logic that well, women use to put themselves in a situation that's not the ideal marriage for them. Okay, that's a good point. If, I did wait a long time to get married, so that's how I know. So you Went find a lot of bad relationships. You found the one. You right. find Cat. Cat the is unicorn. For Cat, it's not. That's it's her name, time, by the way, Kat. Right? For yeah. now, for, that's not her reasoning. But there are some women that that's where they get to a place in their life where they're tired of being alone. Well, I don't know if that's They want to have children. I, I don't know. I, 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 just I, think, I think of it as lingering effects of well, a dominant so patriarchy. So maybe, maybe it's just the fact that they are not creative enough to come up with a different uh, alternative on their own. Not creative. Did you hear that, <laughs> Well, Wow. Take to Twitter and let us know what you feel about that. Well, Hashtag listen, if you right get married because of the fact that you're lonely, that's... But women aren't the only ones that do that. I know. So, Trust me. Listen, I, I've had a lot of my friends who got married early on in their lives. And we know widowers. There's a there's a trend for widowers that get mar- men get remarried after their spouse dies much more frequently than women do. Oh, that's true. Um, I so believe that. that. That's There's a thing there as far as people being well, lonely and getting married. Well, there's just some people who can't be alone. And so they're compulsive monogamous. They're, uh, you know, they're, they're serial monogamous. They go through, you know, one relationship breaks up. They, they're, they're in a new one within a couple of weeks. These are the kinds of dynamics that create good fiction. Right. All right, back to our list. Amy and Nick Dunn and Gone Girl. Then says some marriages are dysfunctional and some are downright pathological. The blame game is particularly convoluted here because each portrays the other as the crazy one, mm-hmm. right? So when we think of, uh, and the, again, this is fiction we're talking about here, and characters are not people. So as much as we're going <laughs> to like wax a little bit about you know marriage in general and the people that we know in real life because you're getting married today, it's this is not about people. This is about fiction. Right. And in fiction, you have to think that people have to be their extreme selves. So they have to be a little bit crazier than a real person would be. A real right. person might have some controls over themselves, but a fictional character cannot. Right. Well, it's boring. Oh, uh, yeah, exactly. <laughs> you don't want a real life. You want something exciting. That's exactly In right. this particular case, this is a book I have read, and they're both crazy. In Gone Girl? Uh, yeah, they are. The, 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 the blame is equal, but in completely different ways. That's what makes it so good. That's great. Uh, all right, so we've been talking about marriage and specifically weddings as rituals and fiction today on Right on SC. As I mentioned, you can get the show notes right on sc.blog. You can also play along with hashtag right on SC on Twitter. Casey and Rex here with you Saturday morning. We're, so the last thing I want to talk about is how to avoid the cliche 
right? So um, there's this great line in Reality Bites where uh, Janine Garofalo says that she just pictures herself at a funeral like on Melrose Place and everybody's there wearing halter tops and chokers. Um, There are cliches to these kinds of things. When you build a funeral or you build a wedding, as much as you want the ritual to be recognized, it can also become very cliche and it can become cliche very quickly Mm -hmm. if you're not careful with it as a writer. So um, do you have... I, suggestions for how do our novice writers avoid cliches in writing weddings specifically? Um, well, again, think of the reason why that wedding is in there. All right, what's the purpose of it? Is it um, is it supposed to be some sort of enlightenment for the main character? That's kind of a cliche. They go in there and their life has changed because someone else is changing their lives. That's kind of like what you were saying before about the woman who got married simply because all her other friends got married. <laughs> These things happen. I know they happen. But, well, so but, the, the lonely bridesmaid who finds the love of her life as one of the groomsmen who had been a holdout bachelor and was never going to get married. Actually, but here they sounds, are, the last two of them. That sounds like your typical romantic comedy. You think so? Yeah. I mean, that could actually work if is that's it what cliche? you're looking for. It is cliche. Yeah, that's what I'm I saying. I mean, it's about as cliche as it gets. So how do you avoid the cliche, right? How do you not write, if you're writing something that everybody has experienced, they've all seen it, they know they've, it's familiar to them, what do you do? How, what are some like easy ways to break the cliche, right? <laughs> all right, well, again, yeah, think about how to, how to write the exact same scene differently. Um, and let's see, well, it depends on what, what character's point of view are we talking about? Are we talking about the bridesmaid or are we talking about the, uh, the groomsman? Let's think of spectators, right? Okay. So here we go. We'll, we'll do this as an exercise. If you're going to be, say you show up to a wedding, somebody is sitting in the crowd at a wedding. It's difficult not to be cliche to the wedding. Right? They're, they <laughs> hear the music is the same. The scripture readings are the same. Everybody's standing in the front of the church. You're all sitting facing in the same direction, right? So think of like the, first of all, the physical environment, something that could be different in the physical environment, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at our wedding, the it was summertime, it was July 28th, and the air conditioning was out. So it was hot. I mean, like brutally hot. In South Carolina, July 28th at noon, it is crazy hot, right? So something like that, as far as the physical environment, how do you create a, a, a little detail that would change the physical environment? Oh, it uh, depends on, say, the fabric of the clothing. Right. What and are you they begin wearing? To soak through. Yeah. And maybe reveal some stuff they should be revealing. Right. 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 Sundresses do not hold up well when right. they get wet. Or right? maybe maybe the re- romance is going on inside one of the spectators' minds. They said, "Well, this person would look good with this," so they begin to work behind the scenes to get those two together, who might who might normally not have have anything to do with each other. Right. Like a cupid play. Right. Could exactly. Be, yeah. You could put a cupid in your in your wedding scenario or somebody who's trying to avoid being hooked up herself and therefore becomes a Cupid, like in the case of Emma, right? The Jane Austen uh, book, Emma. Um, Okay, so... But it gets turned around on her. Yeah, it totally gets turned around (laughs) on her. Um, Matchmakers typically end up falling in love. That's also a cliche, right? Right. Um, Okay, so first the physical environment, that's one thing. Um, Oh my gosh, we're out of time. We are. I can't believe it. Okay, Okay. so we got to go. This is Right on SC. We'll continue the conversation online. Hashtag Right on SC. Go to facebook.com slash Right on SC. Congratulations, Rex, for getting married today. Thank you. And we will see you back here. I'm looking forward to it. Next week, 100.7 The Point.